Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad that you are joining me once again for another episode of Abide in Liberty. You know, since recording the final installment of the principles of freedom as found in the 5,000-year leap, a few weeks ago, I've been debating and trying to figure out where I go next. You know, the first whole section of this podcast, I've been trying to lay the groundwork of the principles of freedom that I firmly believe in, that the Founding Fathers firmly believed in, the principles of education, where we are in this world and our our war against evil. And I've been a little bit torn on exactly how to proceed. I want this podcast to not be like so many other political podcasts out there that have their team that they're rooting for. And, you know, if you're on the right, then here's all the problems with the left. And if you're on the left, here's all the problems on the right. That's not incredibly helpful. You know, the Founding Fathers, I believe I spoke about in one episode several episodes ago, how they didn't look at things in terms of left to right the way that we do. For them, left is anarchy and far right is tyranny in any of its form. For us politically today, the left is kind of considered communism, socialism with fascism kind of on the style of Adolf Hitler on the far, far right. Both of those, though, are just different brands of tyrannical um, authoritarian government. Both of those are are wrong, so we kind of shoot for this middle in the current political dialogue. And while that's helpful, and while the Founding Fathers were looking for a balanced middle, their balance that they were trying to strike was between too little and too much government. So we've kind of been laying this groundwork, and I've, you know, in the, the school, Liberty Youth Academy that we operate— we're working through with our high school students these exact same principles from the 5,000-year leap. And my goal, my vision for these students is that they'll be able to take those principles and apply them to current events to decide if the policies that such and such a party or such and such a political officer, whether it's a local officer or a federal officer of the government, is in alignment with the Constitution, with the law as it is currently established, and as it was intended when it was passed. The way that we're going to approach that once we get through these principles is we'll start comparing these principles with um, with events that are maybe a little bit more dated. We'll go back maybe 10 years and look at what the government was doing at that time and analyze that around these principles so that they get practice applying it, and then they can take that muscle that they're developing and apply it within their own families and on a personal level to things that are happening today. So that's kind of how we're striking that balance at school. And I've, you know, this this podcast audience isn't necessarily our students. We have that audience at school. This is more intended for their parents and those um, who are in charge of taking care of these young people. So I've been debating, do we jump into current political events on this podcast and analyze those around these principles you know, and I, the conclusion I came to is it would sure be a shame if after learning all of these principles of freedom, we shied away from applying them to 
current events and things in the political realm. Principles of freedom that we don't apply to politics just because we want to avoid politics is kind of a waste and kind of pointless. So I am going to, throughout the coming weeks and months and years, I will address current issues. But the way that I want to do it that's different from what we hear on the news and all over the place is I don't care necessarily what political party is proposing certain policies or certain laws. Um, All political parties at one time or another have tried to do things that were wrong, that were taking freedom in the wrong direction, that were eroding freedoms. So I want to look at this in terms of, is this policy, I don't care who's putting it forward, going to increase or decrease freedoms? Is it going to honor and be in alignment with the principles that we've talked about? Or does it detract from those? If it detracts from those, then it's wrong. It's evil and we need to avoid it. And if it so happens that one political party tends to have marks against it more than another, we're going to let the chips fall where they will. Um, What I hope also you get from this is as we work through some of these things together, you may or may not agree with my reasoning or my application of a particular principle, but I hope we can all start developing the mental muscle to look at current events, not from what our team thinks, not from what those people that we like think, but let's look at it in terms of these eternal principles and what God thinks. How would he look at this in connection with a principle that he has established in in connection with eternal truths of liberty and freedom that he has established? If it's on God's side, we should uphold it. And if it's not, we should fight against it. I don't necessarily mean with violence and with swords and with guns, but we should resist those things that do not accord with God's view of liberty and freedom. Ever since the creation of the Constitution at the very beginning of our country, freedom and the principles of freedom in that inspired document have been under attack by the adversary since the beginning. And that that attack has not relented or slowed down since. If anything, it's accelerated. If we go way back in history, this is what the war in heaven and and the pre-mortal existence was fought over, was agency. God wanted his children to be able to choose their own path. Were they going to follow him or were they going to follow the temptations of the devil? The devil, on the other hand, wanted his plan was to force everybody back to heaven, force everyone to do good and ensure that everyone was saved. His was a plan of safety. Keep everybody safe, get everybody back, but at the cost of agency, people wouldn't be able to choose that. And so there really wouldn't be any true growth. And that battle has not stopped since human history began in earnest. From the beginning, there has been this constant tug of war of dictators and people who have been under Satan's influence trying to deprive freedom and and humanity getting these brief little pockets and instances of freedom where they truly were able to chart their own course and make a lot of their own decisions. And that is still in play today. We are in the final days of the last days. And that attack on freedom, Satan is not 
relenting on now. He is intensifying it. And you can see that everywhere. Evil abounds. It's everywhere. This society is saturated in evil from, from the schoolhouses to the, the courthouses to our government agencies to light. It's everywhere. Our entertainment is dripping in it. You cannot avoid the evil that is out there. We are not fighting the Republicans. We're not fighting the Democrats. We're not fighting the independents. We're not fighting any one particular man-made group. We're fighting evil. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Everywhere we look, the family is under attack. Government is trying to deprive us of God-given freedoms. We have the consequences everywhere of an avoidance culture, of a culture who is desperately seeking to do whatever the heck it wants but avoid the consequences of those decisions. Abortion being at the top of that list. Anything goes. We've got the sexualization of children in ways that have never been seen before. God was kicked out of the public square 60 years ago, and it has not gotten better since then. 60 years ago was the sexual revolution. God was kicked out, and that is not resulted in a culture that is getting more happy, families that are becoming more stable, or citizens that are becoming more responsible and and virtuous. It's not happening. It's going completely the other direction. Crime, violence, profanity, depression, drug abuse are on the rise, along with every depressing symptom that goes along with them. And I'm going to go back to abortion. Uh, The when I think of what this country alone is going to have to go through to atone for the millions of infants that have been slaughtered on the altar of adult convenience, I echo Thomas Jefferson's sentiment when he said, Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Now, we'll get into another discussion of abortion. Yes. In my opinion, there should be some very rare exceptions, Um, but certainly killing a child just because I don't want to be inconvenienced or have my career inconvenienced is evil of the worst kind. And again, this is nothing to do with political parties. Satan is who we are fighting wherever he is found in whatever title or whatever category he tends, he chooses to dress himself up in. And going back to that scripture from Ephesians where there's wickedness in high places, I'm reminded of Ezra Taft Benson talking about how if we want to look at and if we want to know what the world is going to be like before Christ returns, we have only to look in the Book of Mormon shortly before Christ comes and visits the people here in the Americas. And if there's one common thread throughout those years preceding Christ's visit to the ancient Nephites here in America, it's secret combinations in high places. It's government leaders who care nothing more than to enrich themselves and accumulate power and will do anything to get there. 
including murder, including bribery, and including every evil imaginable. Those types of things were present in our country back in the 1700s and 1800s. That type of intrigue was there that long ago. And do you think it's any better today? You know, every time I hear somebody decry someone for being a conspiracy theorist, you know, some they maybe there's some wacky stuff out there, and I'm not gonna lie about that. But when people look at the symptoms of secret combinations and they're trying to piece it together and they get it totally wrong, to me, that's that that the fact that maybe they've they've guessed that conspiracy wrong doesn't make our situation any less scary. If we think that those secret combinations, if there's not wickedness in high places that are on Satan's side of this battle for freedom, then we're, we're kidding ourselves and we're setting ourselves up to be duped. The other thing that I wanted to point out, and I've made this comment in some Sunday schools um, and in my youth Sunday school classes, and it always makes everybody a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it anyways because it makes me uncomfortable to think about this because I've got a long way to go in my own pursuit of being anxiously engaged in, in God's cause. You know, I when you look at the world around us, it's obvious that Satan is not resting. He is not wasting any time. There is no Netflix binge weekend or evening that he participates in. He's not distracted. He is laser focused on doing everything he can to tear down God's kingdom and to destroy my family and to destroy yours. He doesn't rest. He doesn't take sick days. He doesn't take, um, what are they called? Self-help days or, or um, self-improvement days. He's focused on our destruction. 24-7. And he has had a long time to practice. You know, I mentioned, I think in a prior episode that, you know, when I was struggling to keep track and stay on top of every responsibility that I was dealing with at the time, I spoke with my mom, who I respect greatly, who recommended to me making God a part of establishing my daily to-do list. And at the beginning of every day, asking for his help to know if there's something else that I should be doing, or if there's something that I had planned on doing that I should remove from my list so that I was making sure that I was accomplishing his will every single day. And I got to tell you, not once has God inspired me to remove something good from my list and add Netflix binging to it. Not once. Now, he's inspired me to maybe take a little downtime and read a classic. He's inspired me maybe to take a little downtime and um, spend a little more time with my kids. But he has never inspired me to do something lazy and pointless. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think if we're all truly honest with ourselves, we can say the same thing. Yes, we do have to relax. Yes, we do have to take a breath for a minute. We can't run at a sprinting pace all the time. But there are lots of ways to do a little downtime, and people have been doing this for millennia. Before the TV, before an iPhone, people found ways for leisure, and they would do things like sitting around the fireplace, talking with their kids. They would do things like reading from the Bible as a family. They would do things like reading good literature on their own or 
learning how to wood carve. There's so many good things that we can spend our time with. Um, so I'm not saying that God wants us to be these maniacal workaholics, because that's not it at all. But there's a reason why when Satan is intensifying his work most severely, that there is an abundance of distractions that he uses to lull us away into carnal security, to a thoughtless stupor where we think, hey, everything's fine. So long as I'm not doing anything bad, then I'm good. And that's not how we win this fight. Every single one of us made a commitment before we came to this earth that we would be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of our own free will and choice. There are things that God would have each of us do that we are neglecting because we are filling our lives with fluff. And I'm talking to myself here. I, I am not perfect of avoiding the, the, the TV show binges or um, letting myself just get lost in frivolities. You know, this has been a journey and I'm, I think I am better than I was five or 10 years ago, but I've still got a ways to go. So again, if you're feeling uncomfortable, or if you're feeling like you're being judged un, unnecessarily, make it a matter of prayer. Again, I, and maybe I'm unique. I might be the only one that God has never said, hey, I want you to spend four hours on your phone today playing Candy Crush. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But I suspect it's not. We have got to find out what God wants for this country, what God wants for our lives, and how he wants us to spend our time. We have got to find out what he cares about, what what policies and what things are important to him. And then we choose to fight tooth and nail to bring that about. Now, while we seek, while we seek to root out the evil that we find around us in our societies, in our towns, in our homes, in our country, it's really important to not turn the people on the other side of your argument into the evil. I was listening to a podcast recently from someone that I really enjoy listening to is talking about the importance of finding evil and not being afraid to call it out for what it is. And I think that's incredibly important, but we have to be careful. And this is the part where I disagreed with this podcaster. Um, He has no problem ridiculing the individuals that are a part of this. And I think that's a mistake. Yes, we've got to call out evil. We've got to call out evil actions. But every single person that we meet, every single person on this planet is still a child of God and deserves a measure of dignity. That doesn't mean that I have to let them abuse my children or expose them to things that are wrong and evil and and sick and demented. But I don't have to turn and personally attack. That's why personally, some of the uh, more profane attacks against our president, both current and the prior one, always felt wrong to me. But when when I hear people standing up for families, for the nuclear family, and standing up against policies that would undermine that nuclear family, that feels right. That feels like it has God's approval. But as soon as it becomes a personal attack on one of his children, and we demonize another person or another party, that's where we step into dangerous territory. The one final point I like to make that I believe I've made before. And that's against the argument that I've heard multiple times um, from Christians, from friends even, that 
say something along the lines of, well, we know things are going to get really bad before Christ returns. We know that evil is going to grow and increase. So it's really all we've got left to us is to do our best to grin and bear it and just wait it out, wait out all the crazy for Christ to return again. And I have to say, it's my opinion that that attitude, if we adopt that, will not find us on God's right hand when he returns. He did not call us to this earth at this time to sit in the shadows and let evil do its thing. God did not send us here to give up. He sent us here to prepare ourselves and as many of our brothers and sisters as possible for his return. He sent us here to become a people that he can dwell among. And we don't do that by giving into evil and by adopting a sense of apathy. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at abideinliberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting libertyyouthacademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.